right. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, the book of First Samuel, First Samuel chapter number one. First Samuel chapter number one. We're going to look at a, a mom that is uh, very um, well. She she's there's something that really uh, you don't really see much in scripture. So. First Samuel chapter number one. Let me give you a little background uh, what, before we get into this. Um, and I'm just going to tell you the story instead of reading through it because of the because uh, of the time. Uh, Samuel was a very very uh, pivotal character in the Old Testament. Um, if you remember the book of Judges, the Judges. Um, it's called the Judges Cycle. What you what you have happen after the Israelites get into the Promised Land, um, they will start to uh, veer off from the path. And then once uh, God lifts His hand and they they get oppressed by somebody like the Philistines, or um, then they will turn to God and say, "Would you please help us, save us?" And then God raise will raise up a judge, and the judge would go in and he'd help. Um, he'd turn, help turn the people back to the Lord. You know, they would repent or they would come in like Samuel. Samuel was, uh, you know, a big, strong guy. And he, he went out and actually fought the battles and, and won, the, won the battles against the, um, the Philistines or, or whoever it was that they were facing at the time. So God would raise up a series of, of judges in order to both lead the people to um, oftentimes to ju- actual judge, like to the people will come and say, "Hey, would you uh, tell us what the right path is here?" Um, and to bring them some spiritual uh, repentance at the time. So Samuel was uh, in this line of judges. Okay, he was actually the the last of the judges, um, but he he stands there as a very pivotal pivotal character. Because um, he uh, he he acted even more of a priest um, than the other judges did. So um, Samuel, what they believe is, is and I will say it's um, it, it can be debated a little bit, but they believe Samuel is actually in the Levitical lineage. His, they believe his dad was in, in the Levitical lineage, but not the Aaronic. So he was not a high priest, but um, they believe he was in the, in the priesthood. Uh, so a high priest, of course, would be one that would be able to offer the sacrifices. Samuel not, was not technically in the Old Testament by, by the law allowed to offer the sacrifice. But God put on him to be this, um, this pivotal pivotal character that he was a, a judge in, in that he, he led the people out. He um, judged, he actually told the people the right direction. He offered sacrifices for the people. Um, he also was a, a prophet and he set up uh, being the, the prophetic office uh, for the people of Israel. He was one that, um, he, if you remember, uh, it was under Samuel that Saul became king. Samuel was the one who anointed Saul. Samuel is getting older in his life, and the people said, um, we, we want a king. And Samuel said, no, you don't. You've got God as king. And they said, no, 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 we, we want a king like everybody else. And so God told Samuel, look, go ahead and, and give them what they want. 
and they and Stephen was the very very prophetic, um, recognized Saul that that God was um, had appointed Saul as the king, and then of course Saul um, he was anointed as king. Um, I can keep on going from there, but we're gonna we're not gonna go. That's another sermon. Uh, anointed Saul as king, but remember Saul sins, and a couple times Samuel rebukes him, um, pulls the kingship from Saul, and then Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel anoints David as the king. Right, so Samuel is an extremely pivotal and extremely Christ-like character. Jesus was not one to offer uh, in in the line to offer sacrifices, right? Yet Jesus becomes the, the ultimate sacrifice and the one who is the high priest um, to go into the, to have the heavenly um, courtroom to be able to offer the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the ultimate king, right? The ultimate judge, right? In the line of David. So they, uh, Samuel anoints the lineage of David. Jesus receives it. So in, the, in, in a way, you know, Samuel... Uh, was a very much a Christ-like character. He was a mediator, like Moses was a mediator um, between the people and God. Jesus becomes the ultimate mediator. Now, the Samuel's birth is what we're going to look at because it's a very, it, it it also is very similar to some of the births that we that we see in Scripture. There was a um, a man by the name of um, Elkanah, and uh, um, he had two wives. He had Hannah and Penina. And uh, Elkanah, like I said, I believe was um, uh, part of the uh, Levitical line. Um, they would go and offer sacrifices uh, regularly. So it seemed like that they were a a um, very uh, pious family. They they were doing the right thing. Um, Penina had kids, and Hannah had no kids, no children. It said that God had closed her womb, and so Hannah Hannah was barren. And every time they would go and offer sacrifices, um, uh, the her, her rival wife Penina, and it doesn't say everything that it was was said, but um, she would she would basically make fun of her. She would, um, Penina would, would make sure that Hannah knew that she had kids and Hannah didn't. And so Hannah um, was, felt terrible, although her, her husband loved her dearly, gave her more, um, even as he says, it even says, you know, am I not better to you than, than ten sons? But she was still barren. She still was unable to have children. So one year they go to offer the sacrifices, and she goes to the, to the temple, and she's pouring out her heart before the Lord. And many, I hope maybe many of you have been there, where you have you have been in that place where your heart is is ripped is just ripped open, and you're you are just pouring out your heart, saying, "Lord, I I need you to come through." And so she's she's crying out to the Lord, and Eli, who's the the priest and judge at the time, he comes over and. And he, he thinks that she is, <clears throat> she thinks that she's drunk. And he rebukes her and he says, Woman, how dare you be drunk here at the temple of the Lord? <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And she said, no, no, it's not, it's not as you think. For my heart's broken, and I'm, I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord and making my request before him. And Eli realizes what, that he was wrong, and he, and he says, and he basically says, may the Lord grant you your request. And it's really interesting what happens there, because immediately it says that, that, her, that her countenance changed, which I believe is a, an act of faith, if you look at that. She receives it. She receives that word, and she, she, her countenance changed, and she immediately goes from being someone who is uh, just totally um, broken before the Lord to someone who realizes that God is going to meet her and grant her request. They go back. <clears throat> Part of her prayer is, Lord, if you will give me a child, I will give him back to you. If you give me a child, I, it says that no razor shall touch his head. He'll be a Nazarite. He will, he will be one who is dedicated to you. <clears throat> one of your girls, can you go get me a, some water, please? Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So after they leave, they, they go home, and she does. She's, she's able to have, um, she's able to conceive. She's able to have a child. Um. And he, she does. She dedicates him to the Lord. She does not go back to the temple to worship until the child is weaned. Excuse me, I'm really having a really hard time here. Um, which means, uh, at that time, because they did not have, um, you know, we have, we have baby formula, we have baby food. You know, we we have, uh, we have Gerber, right? They didn't have Gerber back then, um, so they they would wean the the children. Um, Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> we wean the children probably about the age of three. All right? <clears throat> Thank you very much. That will help, too. So, about, so she does not go back to the temple to worship until, um, until Samuel is about three years old. When they go back, they offer sacrifices. And she leaves him at the temple. Imagine this, ladies. Okay? All you've wanted your whole life is to be able to have a kid. Or what, maybe think of it another dream. What, what, is, what is your heart's desire? The thing that, that eludes you in, in everything... And God finally says, I'm going to give this. God finally gives that to you. Gives you the child. And what do you do? You say, I'm going to give it back to, give it back to the Lord. And she takes that child that took her so long to get, and she takes him to the temple, probably by about the age of three, and leaves him there to be raised by Eli. The, um, the priest, who, by the way, Eli's sons were no good. They were absolutely, <laughs> they were absolutely no good. All right. So, so I, I add that to say, she's giving him to someone to raise, whose sons were no good. <laughs> Each year, said he, she would go back and she'd make him a, a linen ephod, but he would he would then stay at the temple. And learn how to um, 
learn how to minister to the Lord. But here's what I want you to consider this morning. Would Samuel have been in the place that he was at, the pivotal character, the one to initiate the kingdom in Israel, the one who was the last judge, the one who was a mediator between the people and God, if Hannah did not have to wait. If Hannah did not have to endure the persecution, if Hannah did not have to wait for the blessing, if Hannah did not have to pour her heart out before the Lord, if Hannah's heart had not been ripped out, would, would Samuel have been that person? Because it was in the waiting, it was in the, it was in the, um, the, the, the agony that she said, Lord, if you give me this child... I will give him back to you. I will put him in the temple and I will leave him there. Would she have done that if she had not had to wait? Would Samuel have ended up being the character that he needed to be if she did not have to wait for the promise and the blessing? Now, many of us are in the waiting. God has given us a promise. God's given us a something that we are waiting for, whether that is a physical thing, a spiritual thing. Maybe it's a family member to come in. Maybe it's a relationship to be restored. Maybe it's a, a job. Maybe it is a, a destination. Maybe it's um, that you're, you're, you're going to be doing something with your life. You've got a ministry that's in your heart. And you're wait, in the waiting portion. And can I tell you, waiting's no fun. Anybody, anybody in here really like to wait? Especially when it gets long. Especially when you've told everybody, you know, you're supposed to be having this thing and everybody looks at you and says, I, I, I've got it and you don't. But it's in the it's in the waiting um, with with extraordinary trials come extraordinary gifts, right? With extraordinary trials come extraordinary gifts. Oftentimes, it's in the waiting, it's through the trial that the extraordinary gift comes about. It's through the extraordinary trial that the extraordinary gift comes about. So are you, are you waiting? Is there something that you're waiting on? In the waiting, prepare yourself. Now, let's take the next step too. Hannah not only did she have to wait, and I believe it was in the waiting that, that actually brought it to a point where Samuel would be the person that, that he was supposed to be. So con consider this. 
the, the gift that God wants to give to you would not be the gift that you're supposed to have and, and accept that you waited for it. If you did not have to wait for it, it may not be the thing that God wants that he can fully use. Okay, so don't get impatient in the waiting. And trust me, it's hard. I've been there. I've been there for years and years and years and years and years. But the gift that God wants to give you, it must be, it must come out of the waiting and the perseverance. Otherwise, it will not be the gift that God wants you to have fully. Extraordinary gifts will come through some extraordinary times of pressure. But you know what? Hannah took that gift and she gave it back. She took the gift and she gave it back. And I was thinking about moms and about this uh, this idea here because, you know, in a lot of ways, the Lord gives us kids for a certain amount of time. And they'll always be your kids, of course. But as they grow up and then they move out of the house, you don't have the daily um, activity with them anymore. We've had one who I'm really grateful to here for a little while with us. But, um, but you know, there, there's time, you know, for that first, like, eight, 17, 18, 19 years, you have that daily time with them, right? Where it's daily, you know, when they're, when they're young, that you're, you're having to work with them, you know, a lot of the day. You know, a lot of the day is spent either feeding them or getting them to go to sleep or changing them or teaching them how to to sit and play or to talk or to eat or to um, you know, to teach them how to do school and teach them how and then as they get older and they move out then you don't have that daily grind with them as much but it's a lot of those times that that you're actually having to give them back to the Lord you're having to take them and say okay I I'm not the one who's always going to be there to protect them. I'm not the one who's going to always be there to make sure they go down the right path. I'm not the one who's going to always be there to shelter them, to, uh, to um, make sure their homework's always done, right? I'm going to have to give them over to the Lord to be able to have, let Him protect and direct and guide make sure that they're taken care of the rest of their lives. With Hannah, she did that when, when uh, Samuel was about three. In our society, it's usually about 17, 18, sometimes a little bit older than that. But you give that gift back to the Lord. You know, ki- gifts are not always just kids. Well, children are definitely gifts. And uh, we celebrate moms and the, the gift that uh, moms are today and um, children being able to 
have a mom who will guide them and direct them and lead them and give to them in time and in other ways. But the, the gifts that the Lord has given to us, we oftentimes need to, we're, we're required to give that back to the Lord as well. Because it's not our gift in the first place. We, it's, it's, you know, sometimes the Lord will give us things that we steward. Other times the Lord's saying, I want to give you something that you can give on, you can pass on. Sometimes that's physical things, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's uh, wisdom. A lot of times, um, I, sometimes it's financial. God gives you a gift and, and the Lord's saying, no, I, that's not, that gift isn't for you. That gift is for somebody else. I'm just using you as a funnel. So how can the, what is it that we need to do so that God can fully use the gift that he gives to us? If Hannah had, had, had kept that gift, would God have fully used Samuel? I don't know that he would have. He could have. God can do whatever he wants to. But because he was positioned under Eli, because that he was in the temple, God was able to fully use him. And oftentimes the Lord will give us a gift in order to pass that gift along and let God steward the gift or let somebody else steward the gift. Are you passing your gift along? It's one of the things I was praying for for the ladies up here is that the gifts that, that God has put within each one of you, that you would pass those along to others. What gifts has God put in you? Has he put wisdom? Has he put knowledge? Has he put direction, discernment? Has, has, the, has the Lord shown you how to do things that you can pass that along? Maybe you've made some mistakes in life and you're like, I don't want, any, I don't want somebody else to, be, to make those same mistakes. I can give you direction. I can show you how to not make those mistakes. Maybe the Lord's given you some wisdom that it's, it's not mistakes. It's, it's you know what, I've, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. I know how, I know how to write. I know how to, um, I know how to do this in business. Or I know how to, I know how to put this together. I can teach somebody else those things. I, or maybe it's a spiritual gift. I know how to, to pray. I know how to prophesy. I know how to give. I know how to have mercy. I know how to, I have these talents. I can teach somebody else. I can give those away so that God can use that in somebody else. Are you given, giving your gifts away or are you holding on to them? Are you depositing those gifts into someone else or are you just letting them sit with you? Extraordinary trials bring extraordinary gifts, and God will use them both. Extraordinary trials bring extraordinary gifts, and God will use them both. Let me um, end on this uh, uh, on this story. If you remember Elijah, there's Elijah and Elisha, right? Mm-hmm. Elijah was given a gift. He had the prophetic mantle of Israel. God told Elijah to anoint Elisha. He put the mantle on him. 
Elisha then inherited that prophetic office from Elijah. Elisha did not pass it on. When Elisha died, they, they, they buried him. And then um, years later, Israel was in a war and, and a guy, uh, one of the Israelites died in battle and they hastily threw him in a grave, threw him in, a, in the tomb. And it was the tomb where Elisha had been buried. And when his dead body was thrown onto Elisha's bones, he was resurrected. And what people say is because the anointing that Elisha had was not passed on. That it resided in his bones because he didn't pass it on. Are you passing the anointing on to somebody else? Or are you going to let it die with you? The gift that God has given you is for somebody else. Who are you going to pass it on to? The gift is God that God has given you is for somebody else. Who are you going to pass it on to? Extraordinary trials give us extraordinary gifts and God uses them both. The trials and the gifts. We need to recognize both of those. Recognize that God works in those trials. Recognize that the gifts that God has are incredible for us, but we need to pass those on to somebody else. Let me, put, let me close and pray for you. Lord, I pray for all these wonderful people here today. Lord, I prayed for the ladies. Lord, I pray for this whole congregation. Lord, we, we need to have fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Lord, let the anointing for community and for those, those father-son, mother-daughter relationships rest upon this church. Lord, let us be a church who gives we take the, the things that you've deposited in us, whatever those may be, the wisdom, the trials, the information, the, um, the financial resources, or the, 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 the direction, the bumps and lumps, and the, the ways to get around them. Lord, whatever it is you've deposited in us, those gifts, Lord, I pray that, that you will give us sons and daughters to deposit those into that they will not die with us. Give us many sons and daughters. Lord, give us low-hanging fruit. Lord, show us people that we can minister to and witness to, that, that we can give the gospel to, give the good news out, and that they, let, let us see them come into the kingdom.
And Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray for encouragement for everyone in here who's waiting. Everyone in here who's in the process of waiting, I pray that you will encourage them, that you will let them know that um, you have heard and that you are working in this situation. And that it's through the trial and through the process that you're going to bring about the greatest gift. Lord, I bless each person here. I bless this church. I am... Um, I uh, release your anointing to be upon here, each person, each family. In Jesus' name, amen.